Gentlemen, welcome back to the one, the only Remso Republic podcast. I'm your host, as always, Remso W. Martinez. Go ahead and do me a favor if you haven't already. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Remso101. That's R E M S O 101. Follow me. I'll go ahead and follow you back. That way, we'll go ahead and expand our ever loving Liberty family. For old listeners, thank you so much for coming back. But every episode is somebody's first episode. And for those of you who are new that are coming, because we get you by the boatload every single episode it's it's beautiful absolutely beautiful we have a kind of a mission here super cheesy kind of a ripoff but it kind of gets to the point and you'll understand why very soon our mission as matthew mcconaughey the great philosopher once said is making freedom fun again that's the idea of individual liberty free markets limited government the basic basic concept that i'll do me you do you we don't use the government as a violent middleman and we can go ahead and live our lives peacefully and prosperously. Very common sense for many of you listening, but it seems that for a good section of our great American society, that seems to be radical thinking. And radical thinking is the theme of this season, this season four. You can go back and listen to old episodes at Remso W. I'm sorry, at Remso Republic, <laughs> at RemsoRepublic.com slash podcast. You'll see all the archives from seasons one through four of what we've done of season four so far. So catch all the old episodes there. Um, but this season, what we're doing is we're going out and we're trying to understand the idea of creative disruption. We're trying to find the disruptors. Anything that, you know, changes the way we interact as a culture, the, changes the way we think about the world around us. Very radical thinking that can go ahead and change the way the world works overnight. It's not always reinventing the wheel, but it's the concept of finding newer ways to just add on to the solutions we have to fix the problems now. And if there ever was a resurgence of the concept of liberty, free enterprise, those things that made America great to begin with, it's now. And we're seeing this every day with newer people getting involved in journalism, entertainment. Politics is still one of those areas where it seems like everyone wants to be your friend and then they'll go ahead and pull out knives when you're not looking. But it's still so important. And if we believe that politics is downstream of culture, yes, I always emphasize, engage with the culture. Give people a reason to show up to go vote. But they need someone to vote for. And today, I want to go ahead and just, you know, kind of lean back from what we typically do. I just want to go ahead and talk about an amazing individual that might be heading to Washington sooner than you think. Um, Her story is absolutely fantastic. It's definitely one of those things that can connect with so many of you listening at home. It connects with me. And if we want to go ahead and look for those individuals that are saying, hey, I'm going to go up, step up to the plate, raise my hand, and make a difference – I think this is one of those conversations that you're really going to enjoy. She's running um, as a Republican in the 4th Congressional District here in Virginia, Cheyenne Fenty. Hey, are you there? I'm here. What's up, Remso? Thank you so much for coming on. It's an absolute blast to have you here. So I can go ahead and just brag about you this entire time, but I think you'd be the best person to do that. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. You know, how did you get involved in all of this? What made you finally say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and run for Congress and, 
I, I think I can do this. I'm going to go all the way. Yeah. So, well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on your show. This is this is tight. I love everything that you've done so far. Like after I met you, I just went home and just binge listened to everything. I was like, this guy is amazing. Aww, so thank you. it's an honor. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so getting into the race was really um, an emotional and a very strategic decision. I feel like um, all of us, everyone like under 30, <laughs> we kind of have this idea where you have to pay forward. You have to do good for your country, for the community that you live in. And so for me, like I have a passion for um, for foster care kids and for education and of course for small business as well too as I'm a business owner and after just working with these foster kids I was just like yo how is the world going to change for these people that have no voice that have a very limited voice and so as I came back from a camp I was working with these kids and kind of seeing the homes they were going back into I was like okay is anybody going to do something is anyone going to step up and really give these kids a voice, really give this district a voice. And I wasn't seeing anyone stepping up. And as I was looking at the landscape of politics, I was kind of disenfranchised. I was like, what are these people doing? Everyone is talking, but nobody's doing anything. So I decided, I was like, you know what? I got to step in. I got to do something. I have to make my voice heard. And I have to make a difference for the community that I live in. So once I decided in my heart that it was the right thing to do and that I knew that a whole bunch of people would be helped, I was like, all right, I'm going to make the announcement. Here we go. And it was, it's all from there. That's, that, that's something that so many people understand, especially my audience. I think I have the smartest audience in the world, but you know, maybe that's just me, but it, it seems that there, there's always that. I, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Some people think that it's a burden. And when people hear the word burden, they think, oh, that's burdensome. Oh, that's just something you have to deal with. That, that poor person, it's that burden. But honestly, when I think of burdens, I think of the things that deep down in your heart you feel passionate about. And you know, coming at it from a Christian worldview, I believe that God wants us to have these burdens because he knows that we're the best people to go ahead and embrace a challenge and make things better. Um, for me, most of my life, I was never, I was never a Republican, and I was very, um, you know, apathetic and disenfranchised with the political process, understanding how it is. Especially when it, when I finally did start getting involved more so in Virginia, and this is such, and I've lived around the country, I've lived overseas. There's something about Virginia, which is just beautiful. The people here are, you know, so unique. We have such opportunities, and it just seems that. I'm not going to say it's specific people that are causing these opportunities to go away, but when it comes to a lot of the people in Virginia, especially as what happens here bleeds over to what happens nationally because we're so close to D.C., there seems to be a lot of, you know, people are, they're not scared, but they're worried. They're worried whether or not their taxes are going to go up. They're worried about whether or not they'll have jobs available for when their kids finally get into the workforce. As you've been going around talking to potential voters, what is it about your district and what you've seen throughout the Commonwealth that, you know, shows you that there's something to be addressed right now? Yeah. So, um, and again, I'm going to look at it from the perspective of being a millennial and a business owner as well too. I do not have kids. So, um, but I've raised, helped raise my nieces and I've worked at day daycares and schools and everything. So I definitely have a perspective from how parents see things. But as I'm looking at our Commonwealth and looking at the district, the main things that I'm seeing that really needs a big change are people just need an opportunity 
to begin to pull themselves up from where they are. And I feel like the climate so far has not been very encouraging for that. And so then now that as the um, tax bill has been signed, more money is coming into the system. Now is the opportunity for everyone to say, hey, I was kind of nervous about starting my own business. Now I'm going to start. I was kind of nervous about this. Now I'm going to go. This was bothering me before, but now I'm going to do it. And I'm feeling like there is a rise in people's hearts right now where they're starting to get courageous. And that's what I want to fan the flames with people. And that's what I want to encourage people to start doing big and bold things. Now is the time. Now is the season. And do not listen to fear. And so and as parents are concerned with how their kids are growing up, everyone wants to create a healthy world for the next generation. But what gets in the way of that? Selfishness. Being power hungry. Keeping your eye on yourself and not on the next generation and the next people. And I want for all of us, all the listeners, all the doers in the world to keep our eye focused on what's going to happen for the next generation. We're going to do us in this time. We're going to do us. We have to, but we also have the responsibility to step up, make a difference, and create a world that we want to live in, that we want our future kids to live in. Now we can say, hey, you know what? I did that. I helped create this atmosphere. I don't want anyone to think that they don't have power because they're too young. They don't have power because they're not the status quo. We are going to break the status quo with this election right now. That is the entire purpose. We have to break the norm. We have to break down establishment so that we can rise up and remember why this nation was founded. Remember why we are who we are. Remember our power and that we have the ability to change everything that's wrong. You bring up something which is so important, and it's you know, getting millennials, people around our age group involved, because we saw the power of the millennial vote, especially during the 2008 election, which launched Barack Obama to the White House. And Donald Trump, this last go around, brought out record millennial votes. But that's actually something that we've been discussing. It seemed throughout the season, it it seems that when it comes to the the generational schisms within the Republican Party, um, it seems that a lot of older Republicans, more senior Republicans, don't necessarily care as much about the generational theft going on. Uh, they think that tax bills are going to be the solution to everything, but, you know, go around town and occupational licensure is killing more opportunity than not keeping more of your paycheck. I, I want to address this a little bit more, but just to kind of get a little bit background information. Growing up, were you always a conservative? Uh, what kind of you know helped draft your worldview going more towards adulthood? Definitely. So, growing up, my parents migrated from Guyana, South America, um, and two months later, after they got here, then I was born. So, in Brooklyn, New York. So, I grew up in an immigrant community. I grew up in, of course, in the city as well too, and then moving to Virginia, growing up with a very um, worldly perspective. So. Um, to say I grew up, I feel, I feel like I did grow up very conservative, but also with an innovative mindset. So being, and this is very interesting for people that are immigrants, they will definitely identify with what I'm saying here. To put yourself saying, I'm liberal, I'm Democrat, I'm whatever, is really kind of stifling. Because as an immigrant, you come to this country and your only mindset is, I'm going to establish my family, I'm going to build my business, I'm going to build and strengthen a community so that we have a chance. And whatever that looks like is what we're going to do. Of course, we're not going to. I never grew up um, where anything goes. Like, we had to, you honored people. You respected. 
respected people, but we had a very, very strong work ethic. So coming to this country, I would say we're definitely conservative, but we definitely, we push limits where they need to be pushed. So I'm kind of a person like, don't label me, just get to know me <laughs> to figure out who I am. But at the end of the day is respecting people and having hard work. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions amongst not just the general population, but it's it's sad that we see this within conservative circles. Um, there's this, and I hate stereotypes. I hate it when it's like, oh, all these immigrants are coming over here because they just want the welfare. Oh, all the immigrants are coming over here and they're going to bring crime. They're going to bring all this other stuff. And, you know, I come from a very multicultural family. My mother's from Seoul, Korea, and my dad is from San Juan, Puerto Rico. And, you know, growing up in an active duty military family, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, we moved around the country, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, Arizona, born and raised. And now I've been, uh, you know, blessed to have spent so much time in Virginia where I want to go ahead and make my permanent home. But when I go to Republican events, and this is my biggest criticism of why I was not a Republican growing up, I've, you know, I always, I've never called myself really a conservative. I've always been more of a libertarian. Um, I, I went to an event when I was going to school in Alabama at the time. It was the Alabama GOP Victory Dinner. And this one older gentleman, very nice, very pleasant man, he, he came over to me and he gave me a hug. And I looked at him and I was just like, stranger danger, why are you touching me? But quickly he was like, I said to everyone we'd need more Hispanics in the party. And I, I felt, I don't get very offended very easily. I kind of just smiled at him, but I just got a little bit pissed off because it's like, you know, this is why no one wants to hang out with you. Cause you don't see me for me. You see me as mm-hmm. you see me as a prop whenever mm-hmm. I've tried to get involved in certain situations on a volunteer basis, which is why I've, when I did work as a campaign consultant, I was always trying to be a staffer or, you know, set myself in a position where it's like, I'm not a token, anything. I'm an individual of talent and worth, and I can give you great results. I, I never, Whenever I was told, okay, we need you to go take a picture over here and go take this statement here, your talking points, I always left. I was always like, you don't deserve me because you don't see me as an individual. Do do you think that's a problem in the GOP? I think that's a problem across the board. And so, but we're going to stick to the GOP right now, but I feel like they understand that they need to change their image. So they they continue to try to put people of color or different ethnicities in the forefront to say, oh, I, I have, I, I see everyone as equals, but here's the issue. And I feel like the other side does that too. So instead of just saying, I, have, men, I just have women, no faith in the Democrats to play in fair faith at this point, because they've I, done I, so much to damage themselves. <laughs> and I agree with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I feel at the end of the day with both parties, instead of saying, oh, we need to have a person of color, their face right beside us to say that we believe in all races, we are equal. Instead of trying to take a picture and use someone, see someone's face just to try to help you out, why not get to know the person, get to know the culture of the people and start to begin to step out? And so I feel like we have got to stop (laughs) separating ourselves when really we have so much more in common than what we think. Because all we're doing is stereotyping people, well, she's black, he's white, he's this, he's that. How about that's a woman who cares about her business? That's a man who cares about his family. That's someone who cares about their community. We're, we're too busy 
trying to take a picture, do a photo shoot to say, okay, hey, we're equal. We have equal rights here. I believe in this person. But at the end of the day, your heart may not really feel that way. So to me, it's like, stop lying. Stop lying. At the end of the day, we are all people. At the end of the day, we all have the same needs. We may have different ways of getting there, but we have the same needs and the same desires. Let's work together to accomplish those goals. Exactly. Hey, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break, folks. But before I do that, I want to go ahead and give a special shout out to our sponsor this half hour. I don't know about you, but I'm not a day trader. I'm not an investor. Uh, go ahead and look at my math grades from high school. They were pretty abysmal. But I like to think I'm a pretty reasonable adult when it comes to managing my own finances. But we, we live in an age where we have to make sure that we're growing, we're gaining more, and we're investing smartly. There's a great way to do that. You can make your money essentially grow while you sleep. Go ahead and check out our friends at joinhelium.com. That's uh, J-O-I-N-H-E-L-E-U-M.com, joinhelium.com, where you can go ahead and invest as little as $5 just to start off your free account. What you do is you allow... Um, your initial investment to go ahead and float into various different currencies, including cryptocurrencies such as Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin, when the current price is low. So you're buying into it when the best time is available. And then as it starts to go up and other currencies start to go up, you buy into that and your balloon, that's what they call it, your balloon, floats up with the gains of that specific currency. And right when the maximum time is there and you have maximum gains over a certain period of time, your balloon will pop and you keep what you earn. Your money is growing for for you. Learn more today at joinhelium.com. I'm Remsa W. Martinez with the Remsa Republic. Hang on tight. We'll be right back after this. Join the Remsa Republic on Patreon today. Today. Take the show on the go by subscribing to the Rims of the Republic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and YouTube. Don't be left out. Hello, my name is Alex Merced. And I am a libertarian. I invite you to join me in spreading the message of liberty. Come down to alexmerced.com where you can find videos and lots of other media to help educate people about liberty and more. I've also created learneconomicsnow.com as a quick way to show anyone the basics about economics. libertarian101.com a great starting place to learn what is libertarianism, how to get involved, and how to move things forward. Intro to liberty.com where you can learn more about how to spread the message of liberty through positive messaging from people like myself, Larry Sharp, and Michael Pickens. And don't forget libertarianpodcast.com where you can find an exhaustive list of libertarian podcasts for you to enjoy. This is Alex Merced. Follow me on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. And thank you very much. Hey guys, Tim Price here, and I wanted to take a minute and invite you to stop over to PricePodcast.com and give our show a listen. We've got in-depth commentary on the issues that matter to you. These hookers. <laughs> fucking whores are out there. These They're... hookers, man, I tell you. Yeah, that's like the most contact I've had with the hooker. It's them yelling at them you. yelling at me at Twitter. <laughs> We break down the most pressing issues of our time. This what? large lady with like tight clothing on. Not appropriately linked to tight clothing either. And we get the most intelligent analysis from friends of ours like Jeffrey Tucker. Uh, we pulled over engine trouble and, and what happened, what happened? 
Uh, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, oh, I, oh, God. Seriously, though, we love putting on a show that both entertains and educates. We're growing, and we'd be thrilled if you joined us. Check out PreussPodcast.com for more. That's P-R-E-U-S-S Podcast.com. Folks, welcome back to the program. We're going to go ahead and continue our conversation from earlier, but I just want to pivot a little bit more towards policy. Um, the first year of the Trump administration, so so much has happened that the the media just does not give him credit for. Even other um, people that would typically be on our side don't give him credit for. We have tax reform that we've that we have not seen since. I don't know, I want to say a good two decades. We have a massive deregulation campaign going on. We have great people appointed to various agencies. We've got Rick Perry at Department of Energy, and we've got Ben Carson at HUD, and we've got my favorite person, Betsy DeVos, just completely you know, renovating and changing the Department of Education to empower students, teachers, and families. It, it seems that Republicans, they finally do have the victories they need to go ahead and succeed. So when you talk to the people in your district, what are some of the issues that matter most to them? And, you know, where are their main concerns? Definitely. So the main concerns that I'm seeing now are education, small business growth, immigration, and also the opioid crisis. Those are the four main areas where I'm hearing a lot of conversation about. And um, right now, when it comes to the opioid crisis, I kind of just want to zero in on that. It seems that Republicans are are pretty split on that. Um, I don't necessarily see like like okay, I'll 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 try to find an example. Before Chris Christie left, he he tried to pump a lot more money into treating this more of a of a health issue versus a crime issue. And I feel that when it comes to drug reform the biggest difference between the mindsets of how we're going to address it is do we just make sure that we're, you know, we're, we're criminalizing more or do we treat it as a health issue? What, what's your mindset going towards the opioid crisis specifically? Yeah. So what I'm seeing in our community and also what I've experienced with a lot of um, my friends that have struggled with it and some that have overdosed, it never started out as a criminal activity. It started out from, either an athletic or a sports injury or surgery or something. And they got, the, they, were, they got the pills that they were prescribed to take. And of course, the doctors were also sold it saying, oh, no, it's not that addictive. But then once you take it and it's easing your pain, it becomes quickly addictive to that. So it never started out as a way to, for criminal activity just to get high on the weekends or whatever. So as I'm seeing that these people started out that way, and then, of course, they it created really terrible dependency then they started going over into the criminal side because they're dependent on it so my opinion where this is concerned just from my experience is that i don't think that it should be criminalized i think that people have to start asking the questions why are they on this how did it begin to happen and begin to deal with the issues from that perspective but then now on the other hand too i have a a few reckless friends (laughs) that do a lot of things that you shouldn't do and then 
you know, then that is where I see the criminal activity does come into play because they're intentionally pursuing these drugs as a recreational thing. But the majority of what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing is that it never started off that way. It started off strictly like what I said before from medical issues or surgeries or different things. But what I love that Chris Christie did and what the government is doing is that they are now limiting what big pharma can do. Like you, And then they're now um, networking medical offices so that I can't go to one um, to one doctor and then go to another and go to another and go to another to fulfill these prescriptions. Now they're actually tracking it, and that is a big help. And so while I understand that you have to look at this situation from a criminal perspective and also medical perspective, I think it is super important that we begin to realize how all of this began. And, and also we need to note that this is not brand new. This is not brand new. This has been happening in a lot of underserved communities for a long time, and only now it's coming to light for political reasons. And I have to say this, people have to understand because as this has been going on in the inner cities and underserved areas, it's almost like no one cared until it happened to someone who was quite wealthy or just someone really important. All of a sudden, now it's a really big issue. And, and that's the tricky thing about this. About I'm so sorry I cut you off, but I mean, you, no, you, hit, it, you yeah. hit it right. You hit the nail right on the head. When and I went to school in Fairfax County. I went to Centerville High School, one of the most affluent public schools in the country. And it, it seemed that you know a lot of the South American students, a lot of the minority students that. Um, you know, lived lived over the track, so to speak. You know, it was never a surprise when they were caught with, you know, uh, a dime bag. It was never a surprise when they were caught with a blunt. But the moment Jimmy and Little Rocky run in Clifton ODs, suddenly then they start to care. And I don't necessarily think this is a racial thing. I don't necessarily think it's a class thing. But I think for a majority of Americans, they tend to live in this bubble where it's like, well, they'll, that'll never happen to me. That'll never happen to my child. That'll never happen to my brother or sister. And uh, my, my favorite member of Congress right now is uh, Congressman Tom Garrett. And yeah, yeah he spoke <laughs> to awesome. um, he spoke to normal uh, a, a while back. And he was basically like, listen, I'm not here about weed. I'm not here about pot. I'm here about an equal distribution of justice. And my biggest worry for Republicans going into the 2018 election is that I think Jeff Sessions, and this is just my opinion, folks, is just me, but I think Jeff Sessions may have really screwed us over in terms of reaching out to certain people and you know actually being conservative, actually being proper federalist, because just as Congressman Garrett said, we need to understand we're either for the individual and for limited government and for equal distribution of the law, or we're not. Because you look at the states that have um, you know, addressed the issues of medical marijuana, recreational marijuana, agricultural hemp, you know, like adults, and what they understand is that this stuff is less dangerous than the pharmaceuticals that you're getting from your doctor. It's less dangerous than a lot of the stuff you're getting over the counter. If you address it like it is, the health issue, what are you doing? If you're a fiscal conservative, well, what you're having is you're having less people in the criminal justice system. You're putting less people behind bars. I remember, I mean, I I worked a lot with the veterans community, and there are, you know, cannabis-based medicines and purposes that can help them, you know, not be on oxycodone, that won't be on morphine or anything else. And then you look at, you know, at, at it from a criminal justice issue, live, you know, living in Alabama for several years, how fair is it that a 16-year-old kid that made a dumb mistake has to spend the rest of his life as a felon because of mandatory minimum sentencing? 
I just don't feel that, you know, I, I wish the GOP, I, I'm seeing a lot of Republicans speak out against what Attorney General Sessions did, but um, I mean, I don't think it comes down to a, a drug issue. I think it comes down to how are we going to address this as people that believe in helping out those that are struggling, helping out the least amongst us, but also understanding an equal distribution of justice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think something really needs to be said about um, your earlier statement that people live in a bubble and they think this sort of thing cannot happen to them. But we also have to look deeper about how this bubble was created. So back in the 50s, and this is when segregation was really huge, everyone had that mindset that I'm protected, I'm fine, I've got my own house, my white picket fence, all these things are here. But as the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, time progressed, segregation is now becoming a thing of the past with every new generation that is born. So while, old, I guess, seniors or whomever, while they may choose to separate Younger people, we choose to unify. We don't care what the color of your skin is. We're going to hang out with each other. And so and as this cultural shift began to happen with each generation, now we're being exposed to things that are good and things that are bad. And in this bubble that is now being popped, our parents have to teach their kids, hey, don't use these things. Don't do this. Don't, don't go into areas that you're not supposed to be in or hang out with people that you shouldn't be hanging out with. And we're really beginning to opening their eyes to see that we are truly one people, that we are one unified people, that we all have different struggles, and we, but we all want to work with it together. And I agree with Tom Garrett. That man is a rock star. I love him. <laughs> he is. He just hit. Him. He just ran into Congress like a bull in the china shop. But yes. he, he, him, and so many other people. And this is why I'm such a big supporter of Delegate Nick Freitas in his U.S. Senate run. This is a time for liberty. Because it's not about labels. It's not about whether you're on the left or the right. I think the biggest thing is that we need to transcend the politics of Romney versus Obama. We need to transcend the politics of Clinton versus Trump. And we need to understand what is the distance. And by the distance, I mean, mm -hmm. what is the distance between me and the state? What is the distance between my ability to live my life freely without infringing on your God-given natural rights? And we don't have to bring in a force of coercion and violence ultimately because the message of liberty transcends languages it transcends time it transcends race it transcends age because if you look at human history the struggle has always been how much freedom do i have in my life and how can i optimize it how can i maximize it and how can i guarantee this for my posterity and I think that's the methodology that people really need to start thinking of because it's no wonder that a majority of millennials, I think um, a recent survey showed that 70% uh, of millennials are independent. They're not Democrats or Republicans. They're not even mm -hmm. stuck between you know, really the Bernie bros or whatever you have on the right. They want to be able to live freely. They just don't understand how that could be applied in reality because we haven't seen it. And I think now is the time for people to take over the Republican Party, such as yourself, and maximize not just the message of you know pro-liberty, pro-markets, whatever, but a pro-you message. Absolutely. And this is why like, I love having conversations with millennials that are very independent because I'm a very independent thinker as well due to I understand where we are all coming from and which is why I'm telling everyone – to get out to the polls when the primaries come in and the general election, because millennials have to speak. Because when I think back to Obama with his message of yes, we can, everyone had great hopes, 
that things would change in our country. And then when they see that this entire volatile situation that happened in 2016, where, wait a minute, I voted for yes, we can, but what the heck am I getting? What the heck is going on? Everyone needs someone to believe in, someone to look up to. And the millennials, we are the generation that is taking over government very, very shortly, and it's happening now. So we cannot just sit at home and, and speak about things that we don't like. We have to make our vote. We have to make our alliance with individuals, not with parties, with individuals that are speaking what it is that they are speaking. So it is so super fun for me that when I'm campaigning in the district to hang out with my peers, to hang out with everyone, have these conversations and really see, yes, I'm on the Republican ticket because I believe in a free market and I believe in things that we're able to do here. But we all think independently. And this independent thought, as we are coming together, we are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I am so excited for the transformation that will happen when I'm elected. Outstanding. Hey, we've covered so much information. We'll definitely have to get you on again soon to talk about the progress going on of your campaign and everything else. But if people want to learn more about you, check out your website, your social media, and all that jazz. How could they do so? Yeah, so everything. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything is Fenty for Congress. FentyforCongress.com at Fenty for Congress. So everything is super easy to find. And tweet me like message me let's hang out let's talk i welcome everyone's voice everyone's conversation so i'm really excited to connect with people perfect thank you so much for coming on like i said we'll definitely have to get you on again very soon thank you so much for your time i appreciate it folks not gonna give you a long monologue at the end because i don't think i need to say much more transcend the politics of left to right transcend the politics of you know, this team or that team don't care about the letter next to somebody's name. Understand the distance. How far can you go to maximize your own individual potential in a free society? And if you like that message and you want to go ahead and promote conversations like this, help me out a little bit. Just saying, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Go ahead and support the show for as little as $1 a month on Patreon. You get exclusive swag, super awesome premium content, and so much more. Uh, for people that signed up at the $10 level or higher at the beginning of every season, not only, well, when you sign for that, you get a free shirt, you get posters, you get co- you signed comics, so much more. But at the beginning of every season, we go ahead and give out a signed book from an awesome author that's a friend of the show last season for the well for the season four premiere we gave out signed copies of the politically incorrect guide to american history by dr tom woods everyone loved it and this in this upcoming season season five we're giving out signed copies of if you can keep it that's if you can keep it how we lost it and how we can get it back by my good friend robin kerner the blue republican as you know he's been on the show numerous times before you love robin if you know his stuff at the foundation for economic education go ahead and support us there and Oh, if you're afraid you'll get beaten by somebody if you support us financially. We take Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum too. Hey, if you even have that coin with the dog on it and stuff, I'll take that. Everything works. It's all money at the end of the day. As always, folks, be good to your neighbor. Go out and treat yourself a bit. And tune in next week, America. I'm Remso W. Martinez. Good night. Stay up to date with the latest news and updates by visiting RemzoRepublic.com. Hey, this is Lloyd Bailey, the Armed Lutheran, host of the Armed Lutheran Radio Podcast, reminding you that the podcast you're listening to is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Check out all the great content at selfdefenseradio.net.